what is today, Brian? What does today hold for us? Today is a very special episode that I'm sure none of the people that I know listen to this show will enjoy as much as I have recording it. <laughs> today, we are going to talk about Critical Role Campaign 1. Are you ready? Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. I can assure the audience that if you do not enjoy D&D, you should skip the episode. If you enjoy D&D, you should probably still skip the episode, as we're not even talking about that. We are talking about a group that is not ours playing D&D that we watch, and we are going to talk listen about... Listen to. Listen to. Yes. Inferior people <laughs> listen to the show. I watch the show. And Oof. we are <laughs> And we are going to talk about so their So-called inferior people listen to it at three times the speed as those who watch it okay thank you very much you haven't told me that until now and i i now understand why you are caught up so quickly yes so we're going to talk about critical roles campaign one D D 5e <laughs> uh, i have waited a long time and when i was going through and when he, we had started playing D, you were very fanatic about an, another group that was not D. &D. Uh, what was that group? Oh, I'm sorry. Another group uh, that was, was not critical. Yeah, <laughs> it sorry. was uh, the first D&D podcast I started listening to was Drunks and Dragons. And it was hilarious. I don't think anything less of them. But Critical Role is just so much better in pretty much every way. Drunks and Dragons really got me into D&D. They were who I was listening to when I texted you about starting our D&D group. So we have them to thank for that. But then I just decided to start listening to Critical Role for not really any reason. Then I got hooked because it's fantastic. I have a couple of questions before we even jump into it. And I know this is just me sabotaging myself of the live show that I'm trying to watch here in an hour. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. first, I just want to reiterate because I don't know if it's come up on the show before. The timing of when neither of us had ever played D&D. And then when I started and then you a couple months later decided to without knowledge of me having started playing, decided to reach out mm -hmm. about the game as well. And yeah, when I texted you... kind of a stars aligning moment. I was trying to figure out, like, who... There are no intermingling circles of friends in between my group here in <laughs> Tri-Cities, Washington, and southern Utah. And so I was trying to figure out for the life of me how this guy has figured out that uh, I have jumped headfirst into d, d But that was not what happened at all. Had no clue. No clue. Like I said, I was listening to this other podcast, and I was like, you know what? I just, I'm jumping in. I want to do it. And then I thought of all the people who I thought might be interested, and you, my brother-in-law, and our friend Steven came to the top of my head. So I texted all you guys, and off we went. I had no, I did know that Steven and my brother-in-law had played before. I did not know that you had played before, and so that was just a wild happenstance that you had had you owned all of the books yeah I'm, i still can't claim that that was the best financial decision on my end but it is the one i made <laughs> uh i had gone to uh, rehab so any semblance of judging other people had started to ebb away uh, by that point mm -hmm. and this game that i had really had these judgments and, and premonitions about even though I didn't know anything about the game. Um, I mm -hmm, big time. Uh, somebody asked me and a couple other people that were also in recovery and that's how I knew them uh, were starting and none of them had played before. So I went and joined them, had a fantastic time. Uh, the table was played a, dip a bit differently than how I wanted to do it because I was obviously after a single session a professional. And so <laughs> that sounds I, like you. Yeah, uh, we leveled up pretty quickly. So I think uh, my level two gnome wizard uh which is still one of my most favorite characters and he still comes up every once in a while he died and my dm asked me if i wanted oh. to make another character and i said no i'm gonna go run my own dd <laughs> and i felt <laughs> and i felt really bad but uh the next time i see him i am always adamant to tell him that a dm cannot i mean there's no right or wrong way to run a game but there are certainly way different you know ways to to run the game and and i just had a much different way that i wanted to do it yeah for sure i got into that you messaged me we've been having a great time 
the other question that I wanted to ask you was the now that you've gotten just immersed in Critical Role, uh, you've also we've been in our group playing for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the Mercer effect, the Matt Mercer effect, has had any impact on our games without hearing any of my input as the DM? What do you feel like there's been any impact from Critical Role in our games? Um, I. I'm not going to claim to know exactly what the Mercer effect is. I think it means that D&D groups tend toward this perfectionist playstyle where everything has to like exactly match what Critical Role does. And based on that definition, I would say absolutely not. Um, I think you as a DM and our group are very good at just having fun and playing the way that we want to play. My perception of the mercer effect is the critical role is a is a production that has a high budget for things like mm -hmm. maps and tokens or i'm sorry not tokens uh miniatures for monsters and other things and everybody including the dm is a professional and in most for most of them critically acclaimed or nationally awarded voice actor and so they're all mm -hmm. very good and very comfortable with doing quote-unquote uh role play and so yeah. It gives this, in, in the game, they're just playing D&D, &D, and so people just think like, oh, our D&D &D games can look like that, but a lot of people don't mm -hmm. really take into account that they're, they're a bunch of people that are professional voice actors that are playing D&D, &D, and so yeah. it's just going to be a different natural experience when you have a group like that that are playing together. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't bring this up this early into the show, but obviously Joe... Uh, I can't remember his last, how to say his last name, Mag Magnanello, Magnanello, Manganello, 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 Mango, Manganello, Manganello, um, I'm sure his my games, boyfriend. Oh, don't worry about it. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure his games, he doesn't know it yet. Uh, yeah, he doesn't I, mean, know it yet, I, I wasn't going to ask. I, I made that guess. <laughs> I imagine his games look very different than ours. And from critical roles, there's still a lot of people that oh, are, yeah. including me, that are very mm -hmm. jealous of those that are in Joe Mango Nello's game. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. Uh, mostly, I'm just jealous for anybody that can walk into that man cave, D and D cave that he's got going on. Mm -hmm. That is a magical place. But that was just a curiosity yeah. that I uh, that I had. I do agree that sometimes internally, you know, I obviously get. I still am a perfectionist every once in a while uh, in my mind. Uh, mm. And that is combated by my severely mediocre physical abilities <laughs> 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 to actually achieve what I would like to think I would like to achieve. And so mm -hmm. I think that's just part of being, uh, I make a guess that it's just part of being a creator yeah, um, in general. And yeah. I have so much more respect for anybody that writes any kind of fiction mm. or any kind of thing like that as mm -hmm. there's just an understanding that I just never had before about when... When I read somebody else, when I read Brandon Sanderson, I'm like, oh, this is gold. And it looks so easy. Like, he just put it on paper. Yeah. And then I look at my stuff. Yeah. Like, I just spent four hours figuring out the crest for a single clan of dwarves. And I look at that at the end of the four <laughs> hours, and I'm like, this is garbage. This is uh, this is hot garbage. <laughs> Man. I can I can respect that, but it was that was a general curiosity I had. I wanted to put you on the spot while we were uh, recording and ask you that. Season season I one, I finished season one probably back in the summertime, if not earlier. Uh, you finished mm -hmm. season one last okay. month, I imagine. Yes, I finished up the last episode, uh, like right before Christmas, which was kind of funny because they were they were recording it just before Christmas, like two years ago. <laughs> Yeah. So that kind of lined up and it was kind of funny. Yeah. So I finished up the episode like the day before Christmas or something. And then in between Christmas and New Year's, I finished up all of the, they had like four or five like wrap up specials. Yeah. Where they just talked about stuff about the stuff about the campaign, stuff that Matt had never disclosed, stuff that they didn't find and what if this would have happened or what if that would have happened or stuff like that. So, and that was all fascinating to me. I loved all of that too. I want to, because for me, this is really going to start what I feel like is, is going to be a discussion that leads into the rest of it. One of your questions that you put on here on the, on the doc was the favorite player. I want to hear yours mm -hmm. first. Yes. Okay. This one, so these, these questions I have written down, they are not, the, none of my answers are just easy answers. Actually, a couple of them are easy answers. But like, my favorite player, meaning the actual human being sitting at the table, not the 
in-game yeah. character. It's just, it's gotta be Travis, but only by a little bit. I think Travis had just a way to like accidentally come up with a good plan so many times. And just, he was always the one that was kicking things off and making things happen and moving the story along in just such an entertaining and funny way. He's probably my favorite character, favorite player, but also for a completely different reason, Talison. Talison's playstyle was just amazing. My favorite part of the Tox, Tox Machina, the talk show, was hearing Talison talk about Percy and the psyche and all of the backstory and all of the motivations that Percy had to do everything. That was, um, I loved that. Uh, Travis, like you said, I mean, Travis, there's a, Travis really kind of serves a, he does his part in, in help kind of bringing a part of the community to, uh, to D and D as he is pretty open about him and him and Joe Mignello. Now that you've seen the end of the campaign and you, and you saw the whole, um, what's that t-shirt that they both had together. Jock's mocking him, man. Yeah. I want one so bad. Yeah. He, you know, Travis is, is able to kind of, for a certain, for a certain kind of kind of person he's able to be that example of hey like there's no problem with you playing D&D and mm-hmm. i think everybody i think yeah. everybody in that group kind of helps their kind of people uh, the people that relate to them mm-hmm. with that same thing yeah, you absolutely. know there's certain parts of that that i just i look at travis and and that effect you know i relate to that in part ways mm-hmm. i'm just some numpty at mcdonald's compared to you as far as fitness but uh, travis <laughs> it's talked about oh, hang on What's up? Are you taking a call right now? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm recording a I podcast right now. Wow. But... <laughs> I hope you leave this in. I I hereby decree that you have to leave this in. What uh, What do you need? Uh, well, how How much? Uh, this is how much great. Do you need it? I'm just gonna continue talking for a minute. Okay. All right. Fun fact is, if it is an emergency, uh, I will go down and get that. We've mentioned Joe Manganiello a couple of times. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. Um, he is the reason. I got into D&D at all. I saw an interview of Joe talking about something he did at the very end of the campaign that we're talking about right now on YouTube. And I was like, wait, what? Joe Manganiello, like, he's got more abs than four, like, the four people combined. Like, this guy's a Greek god and he plays Dungeons and Dragons? Isn't that just what 40-year-old virgins play in their mom's basement? But no. Joe Meganello plays Dungeons and Dragons, and so that's that actually led me to find the Drunks and Dragons podcast, and ultimately get me to play Dungeons and Dragons. So thank you, Joe Meganello, and thank you, Jordan, for taking a phone call while we were recording a podcast. <sighs> My bad. Anyways, you were talking about Joe Magna Mag Mango, Joe Mango. You kill me, Jordan. I th- I I don't know what I yeah, did wrong. Yeah, I did. <sighs> I think I said everything correctly. Yeah, I uh, just told our loving fans about how Joe Manganiello got me into D and D. That guy is a champion. Don't worry, I, he did. Yes, he is. He's also, as far as a character, he's the biggest. He's the biggest dick in the entire campaign, as far as characters go. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, Archon the Cruel. So my favorite player. You say Travis. Travis is also very close to another. He is second for me, but just by a hair. Travis's stuff was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I wanted to mention before I got distracted was, and I've said this to you before, but Travis is like one of the smartest people, one of the smartest players in the group. And and in the Critical Mm -hmm. Role company, he is the CEO of the company. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, in in the game, Travis just plays grog so well like it is amazing yeah like i said grog is such an idiot and travis has to play an idiotic character but he found ways to be smart while being dumb yeah and it was just beautiful i also had to so good i had to give my hat to matt for that as well because travis explains every once in a while the depth that he put into his backstory and he didn't he didn't want. Mm-hmm. He, he talks about this a lot. He he didn't want to do the romance in the game. Like that wasn't his thing. He didn't mm-hmm. want. Like he didn't mm-hmm. really want a big backstory. And with the little that Travis gave Matt, Matt made something pretty great with uh, Travis's stuff. It wasn't necessarily like the Briarwood arc, but it was. It was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a really. 
that was a really cool time. Travis was second. Sam is and for the for campaign one was my favorite player. And it is, I completely admit that it is partly due to like, I'm just taking the outlook of a DM. And there were so many things about what Mm -hmm. Sam did the entire campaign that I as a DM just so appreciated in that Mm -hmm. there's in every fight and almost every, so every instance and as far as Sam was so conscious himself and not really leaving it up to like the dm figuring it out or not figuring it out sam was so conscious of not metagaming Mm, yeah he would always ask this is a thing that i would like to do he would ask would my character be aware of this or or something along those lines right um yeah and i thought that was just uh i thought that was just fantastic and Mm -hmm. the his his thing with so i have to i have to admit i wasn't paying it a whole lot about the dynamic of the group and in the beginning, I went through a whole spectrum of where I thought Sam was at as far as real life. Not that it mattered or that it matters. But mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I started watching the show, I was like, in my head, it just made sense that Sam was married or or was in a relationship with um, Ashley. Because I was like, oh, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no way that anybody would talk to anybody else like Sam's character <laughs> does to Ashley's character. <laughs> Unless... They had a real life romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was like it was only a couple episodes in to them getting into going into the cave, you know, in, in uh, campaign one that mm-hmm. Ashley just walks into this yeah. room and Sam just like drops his pants. And uh, oh, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> Sam's character. What is what is Sam's character's name again? Scanlan. Scanlan. Scanlan, Scanlan just like alt. drops his. Yeah. He just drops his pants and mm-hmm. yeah actually the way that actually i just thought that they were in a relationship i don't know i didn't know anything about brian w foster at this time he didn't mm-hmm. he doesn't really come into the picture with the company yeah. um, until later so so yeah. that was the case i realize i see something or i think one of my other players corrects me um because i'm an idiot and tells me that he is not in a relationship with ashley in the slightest mm-hmm. and so i'm like okay and then i see this the interactions that him and Liam have and in my head I don't even know yeah. in my head I was like okay Sam is gay and I was totally fine with, like yeah I just accepted that with Liam yeah 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 and I saw some sh- YouTube video that I didn't actually watch I just saw the title of um, and it was when they were starting mm-hmm. to reboot their podcast that they have the two of them yeah that originally All work and no play yeah which preceded critical role by a good amount mm-hmm. i think but then it they dropped it for a while but then critical role picked yeah. it up and it's it's part of the company now so i didn't look at it i didn't look into it at all i just that was my new thing that i just thought and it wasn't until towards the end of campaign one that i figured out that both liam and sam and ashley were both in completely happy and separate relationships they didn't have anything to do with each <laughs> yeah. other yeah there's one moment on tox machina though that i want to bring up now that you mentioned yeah. that is uh liam does confess that he kissed boys in college and sam reacts like shocked like a like a scorned lover and he just like gives this face of like oh, i'm right here how could you and it was so funny the whole crew just busted up laughing it was a great moment that is amazing i actually don't think i've gone through a lot of the talks for season one and that is something that i should go back oh, and do now that i've caught up there are some gems Brian Foster is a genius. Brian Foster might comedian. be just so yeah. hilarious. As far as one of my favorite people in the company, I mean, pff, Brian W. Foster is a champion among mm. men. Like he, oh yes, he showed up and he's just like, I'm here now and I am here to stay and I'm going to forever change mm-hmm. critical role. <laughs> and if it was sexual before man do i have a story for you that's what he said yeah oh boy if you think that's bad just stick around yeah exactly that's what he had to say sam's character was was in depth uh sam obviously um uh, this is a little bit late to give that notice but there are going to be spoilers in this episode um uh now that we're now that we're oh yeah yeah so sam is we'll put it in the description yeah Sam gives me a real, like, vibe of, and this might seem really random, but he gives me a real vibe of addiction recovery, um, and not in the ways that mm-hmm. that you might be thinking. 
he gives me the vibe of addiction recovery as in uh, in the meetings um, that I go to and the ones that I really cherish. <clears throat> he in in those meetings, there's a lot of lighthearted laughter and there's a lot of jokes and stuff. But it's you know, it's that way because we also get into the most serious of things mm-hmm. and, and the yeah. deepest of, of what is going on in our lives. And for me, mm-hmm. I have to have both to be able to <laughs> to be able to move forward, you know. And Sam obviously was also Sam also made Scanlan uh, literally addicted to uh, a meat yeah. spice, but his character also <laughs> yeah. portrayed like he was he was all jokey and laughter and all that. But he also mm-hmm. more than any other player um, well i shouldn't say that in in a unique way he let it be as serious as he felt it could be and when he uh when he yelled at the group and he his character left oh yeah yeah and that was that was intense yeah and you think like oh you know they wouldn't do that in a D you know, in these D groups he wouldn't do that or, or whatever um but sam was invested in the story and sam was willing to do that and that mm-hmm. made a moment that that was very memorable um mm-hmm. And so in that weird way, uh, I always think about addiction recovery because, you know, he was, he's this character the whole time that that was this jokey and laughter person. But but Sam as a player was willing to go that other direction as far as it needed to go to, to push that narrative. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It really showed like the, the like you said, the depth of Scanlan that uh, there was more behind the all of the dick jokes and the, the laughs um, that there was in Scanlan's case, a lot of pain and and uh confusion yeah and i thought that was a really beautiful a really beautiful moment to tell or the a really beautiful story to tell in that moment and uh brian foster whom i suspect heavily of being a brother in addiction he had a lot of very interesting things to say in the talk shows after that and during that whole story arc which i agree with Uh, a lot of a lot of the things brian said was that is exactly what addiction looks like to a T. And it's amazing that Sam pulled it off because he's not... Sam isn't a drug addict, but he was playing this drug addict and he just freaking knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I um, I do want to uh, clarify. So Brian, uh, I definitely know he gets more open about it on air uh, as time goes on, but he, he has been open about it for mm-hmm. a while. Brian is... Uh, very open about uh, Brian W. Foster did ha- is recovering from uh, heavy drug addictions himself. Mm, yeah, and uh, what I mean that's one of the reasons why I love Brian so much as well because Brian really, man, if there's ever a real life mm-hmm. Scanlon, is it Brian W. Foster? Um, is Brian? <laughs> yeah, some of the stories he tells. Yeah, some of the some of the stories, but at the same time, Brian is also very open and and you know if if he wants to get deep, he will get deep about his. Um, and he's got blog posts about it and, and stuff about his addiction recovery and the things that uh, he dealt with. And so, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Brian was an inspiration for me as far as, you know, I am open about my recovery. And, and uh, it's because, you know, you got you got folks like Brian W. Foster and you got folks like um, that uh, that guy in Brooklyn Nine, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. What's that? What's that actor's name? Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Terry Crews is very Terry open Cruz. about his uh, pornography yeah. addiction. You got yeah, uh, great guy. You got the guy that I can't think of any of these actors' names, but the guy that played Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. He's he's yep. very um, uh, he's he's not as open, but he he lets it he, he's got it out to the public, um, mm-hmm. and he's he's open to telling a story about his drug addictions and, and being in jail and yeah. uh, and I think yeah so the, I mean these these people like that's a very cool thing for them to be and it's they're certainly in a in a more perilous position than I am about them being open about their addictions um, oh yeah i just you know i'm just yeah. worried about i'm just worried about what my roommate's gonna think of me and they're you know they got you know they have <laughs> a few more people to worry about than that yeah they got careers on the line and stuff for yeah, sure i think that's cool so for for that reason and just sam's awareness through the game sam had a lot of situations where and i think all the players have this to a point but sam was very conscious of including other players and really role-playing like uh, questioning or, or involving or bringing in the other characters in or, or the other player characters somebody would ask him a question and he would he would kind of pass it along to the other player and that awareness as a player was was just awesome um yeah and showed how much a player can do to add to the you know to add to the game when i play in my own games I, like i can take sam as a real example of you know what i can do as a player to you know to to keep the game you know fun and interesting so that's that is why sam is my favorite yeah that's one of the reasons that i really like travis too and i wanted to get to this later but um my 
favorite moment of the first season, uh, campaign was when Grog fought that uh, half-orc in the Crucible. Yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Because he fights him twice, right? Is Am I thinking of the right one? Yes. Yeah. So it's... Uh, there's there's like a gladiatorial pit in this city that they frequent. Grog is the he's the big strong guy in the party. So he goes in to try his hand at, you know, beating up the champion in this city and he, he it's basically just a boxing match. There's no weapons or anything. So it's just punches and kicks and normally to a player like myself um, if you take away all of my weapons and stuff, I'm like, oh, crap, what do I do? But Travis really shone in this fight because he uh, he described in vivid, gory detail all of the strikes and the, the moves that he was trying to do on this other uh, guy. And Matt just played right along with it. And they made this super gritty fight out of it. And Grog loses the first round um he gets knocked out and they have to like drag him off and he's like he role plays just like sulking through the town and just oh i just want to go get drunk and forget that ever happened and like he's having a little pity party for a little bit and then right before they leave town he goes in for a rematch uh against this guy his name was kern and same same kind of scenario it's just hand-to-hand no weapons no magic nothing and uh very similar progression there's blows traded back and forth (laughs) grog finally wins he knocks out this other guy and man i tell you what that moment i was driving in my work truck i remember this very clearly i was driving in my work truck listening to this and it was somebody who was watching me drive may have thought that i had just heard my favorite football team win the super bowl i was yelling and screaming and clapping and like my eyes were getting teary just yeah just like going just losing my mind at how pumped up i was that grog beat this guy it was and a lot of that was the uh the details that they were throwing in and and describing but man that was so cool that he lost at first you know and then his ego was all bruised but then he came back and pulled it out oh yeah travis and matt and the rest of the group i mean really really added to it as well i mean that was just one example of of like the whole group just contributing to awesome narrative and a very suspenseful, just satisfying uh, ending uh, for that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. On Matt's end, I think that was a great example of giving the uh, opportunities for the players to have a great moment because he let them fail. I I took a big note of that when he when you know as a yeah. DM you know you let the player fail or you let the player die. Um, mm-hmm. And that was uh, yeah. that was very significant to me. And uh, there's mm-hmm. you know there's a bunch of examples out there as far as cool moments that have been brought up because the DM allows that. That was the one that I had watched, mm-hmm. and that was the one that I appreciated. I just remember being so pumped up. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And that was the. What about you? What was your favorite moment? The favorite moment in the game was the the stuff at the tail end of Keyleth's Keyleth's um, story arc was pretty dang great mm-hmm. i will yeah. say that just the uh, i just had so much appre- like uh, there wasn't an exact moment to it but i also just so much appreciated the continuous tie-ins that talison sorry what was his character's name percy oh what's wait can, oh man give me a sec here percy um percival no there's like 10 different names hang on percival von frederickstein kowalski Dorillo the third i believe i loved the continuous tie-ins that his stuff that his that his arc was having on the campaign and and really that mm-hmm. i mean all of the arcs uh besides maybe scamlins <laughs> scamlins didn't really uh, if i remember <laughs> i don't think his ha- had a whole lot to do with the with the main storyline no but uh but most of the other ones really kind of had some tie-ins to the to the main thing 
but Percy's just mm-hmm. kept coming up and and kept yeah. haunting him. Yeah. And yeah. it continues on. I I don't know how many episodes you've gotten into from uh, uh, into season two, but they're very they're very they're very open about it. In that there are some things about campaign one that you know that have affected campaign two, mm-hmm. and so that tie-in is just a that's just one of those things where you know Matt has big brain and I have small brain, and I just I can only look up to him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. so that that thing was cool. But uh, again, for the for the single moment, Laura's character figured it out and hugged the meat man. And it was Scanlan. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, yeah. there's I'm sure there's better moments that I'm just not remembering. But man, what a cool like because it just had so many elements to it because they're yeah. in the middle. Like their characters yeah, have very... to deal with some, like their characters have they're in the middle of something. They have to deal with something yeah yeah uh, sam all of a sudden had to had to suddenly manage two characters which the whole stint of him having mm. to manage both uh both of those guys was oh, just great so hilarious um yeah. but that right there just like as far as a single um a single uh, moment that was probably one of the best ones mm-hmm. um yeah it was so complex because uh like we mentioned it was such a, like a bitter moment when he left and there was a lot of like anger and lashing out and very harsh things were said yeah and uh there was a lot of like bad blood kind of between scanlan and the rest of the party and uh when he came back like you said vex just like gave him a hug but many others of the group were not very happy to see him especially in the circumstance that they found him yeah yeah absolutely well and that he was hiding you know he was hiding from them Mm-hmm. Um, yeah that was one of my favorites i make a story can i i don't want to guess it for you but i i feel like i know what your funniest in character moment was uh yeah that's not uh too much of a uh too much of a stretch it's the goldfish incident yes, right the 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 yes. goldfish incident the we're basically goldfish <sighs> oh man okay go ahead tell it if i remember right they had just gotten done with pikes like a major a major part in pikes arc yeah yes they had def- they, the, yes. the pikes family had deceived her they were just trying to get her money but they had let her up in this mm-hmm. whole big multi-session thing as far as a curse and this whole this whole thing and they managed that and they were just having a moment of peace and keyleth about about 50 percent keyleth and about 50 percent marisha uh jumped off of the cliff and i don't know was yeah. it just was it just because she was just feeling so peaceful or something uh i think there was something in the water below oh they had to go get the um, i want to they say... dropped a diamond i think oh yeah 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 um, they, some yeah there was something to go get yeah. at the bottom and they're like well how do we do it and then keyleth just <laughs> runs and says don't worry guys we're basically gods and she just jumps off of this like thousand foot cliff and just starts falling so Matt, well, the whole group is trying to, uh, well, not metagaming, because at a certain point, then you've just spent too long talking while the person is falling off of a cliff. Um, uh-huh. But Matt is trying to guide her and lead her with these questions of, like, what would you like to turn mm-hmm. into? And she's exactly. getting stressed, and everybody else is getting stressed, and she firmly <laughs> plants her feet and her banner on that of a goldfish. And that is where she is going to fight and die. <laughs> Because uh, she's falling into water, yes. right? Yes, and she talks about it. Is the conversation <laughs> never stops about this decision? Um, but oh, she man. turns into a goldfish, and she immediately turns out of a goldfish, and then immediately dies. Yeah, immediately. <sighs> like not just like unconscious yeah. dies, like death dies. And I'll tell you what, that is just the like the reason I like that moment so much. Because it, it's it's my favorite too. Yeah, the reason yeah, I like man. that so much is because it is the gift that keeps on giving. It only <laughs> it only keeps getting funnier. Uh, the longer yeah, it takes. Because the night that it happened, like it wasn't necessarily. I mean, it was hilarious, but in like a morbid mm-hmm. way. But most of the people were just like, "What?" But for every consecutive uh-huh. week after the event had happened, it was just funnier <laughs> and funnier. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, everybody had stuff to say about it. Travis won't drop yeah. it. Yeah. Brian Foster won't drop it. Just and tra- through the whole thing, Travis is like standing up off of his chair. You what? <laughs> you jumped off a cliff? 
and he's just like in hysterics like laughing trying to like trying to catch up to marisha's logic you what <laughs> and then when matt says all right uh you land and you turn into goldfish marinara sauce on top of the water and just travis and sam just die <laughs> laughing oh. and uh i texted you like as it's happening oh yeah i remember um, that i remember texting you at work like what is this oh man and i was just dying i was I probably looked insane just walking around somebody's house uh, treating for buds, yeah. <laughs> just laughing my butt off. Oh man, that's yeah, that's uh, that's gonna that's gonna be a running joke for a while, isn't it? Oh man, that is never gonna stop. I mean, that is that is gonna join her for forever. Um, and they yes. talk about it all the time as far as her logic and that she was going into water and it was in the moment and. <laughs> She has the defense of other people that said, yes, in the moment, I, I saw no problem with what you were doing. And she uh, she still she still holds on to that. But, uh, man, was it yeah, yeah. awesome. And she talks oh, about how so she, good. you know, like her fate, like her expression, like when Matt told her, like, you died. And she's like, I like I died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Like dead, dead. And there's, um, like, people dead, bring up dead. the, because if I remember right, I think Matt may have gone outside of Raw, um, as far as the damage she took, because mm-hmm. there's a, there's a cap on, uh, on falling damage, mm-hmm. and I don't think he, uh, I don't think he used it, um, but for all the better, I mean, that is, mm, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I have nothing Still. but happiness that he didn't use that, because that, that just made the moment so oh. much better. Yeah. What did he say? He said something like, hang on, guys, I don't have enough dice for this. Yeah. And the table was like, what? <laughs> oh, man. Just every consecutive reaction and uh, just the next progression of that whole incident was just, it just kept getting funnier and funnier. Man. Oh, man. So that is that's, that is easily that's and good. by far the one, just because it gets better and better every time that it comes yes. up in the conversation. Yep, every time you think about it. The so this one is a bit different. The funniest player reaction. Um, mm-hmm. I'll start with this one. Mm-hmm. Just be, oh man, Liam, I swear has still not like let it go. But when Vax walks out of the room after talking to Talison and mm-hmm. in the moment that Laura just 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 on a dime. Just puts herself uh-huh. in that bathtub, and she just yes. she just breaks the water, <laughs> and she's uh-huh. like, "Oh, I didn't think you would ever leave." That yes. that was the best. Like in the moment, that is another gift yeah. that keeps on giving because in the moment, that was one of the hardest. Like t- like the players have never laughed harder. Uh, that was uh-huh. like it was so good, and then and then Liam just held on to that resentment of her being able to just like. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. make up that she was in the bathtub mm-hmm. and you will hear his I mean you heard his snide comments I'm sure for the rest of campaign oh, yeah. one you're going to hear it for a oh, good yeah. portion of campaign two <laughs> and he says like somebody will ask him and he says well it's a game of make believe and if Vex uh, can put herself in that bathtub I can uh, I don't know see why I can't just make this up <laughs> and he yeah. jokes about it but there is definitely just some deep seated stuff because of that yeah yeah, yeah, it's just for context for anybody who didn't know what we were talking about. Laura and Talison's character were in a relationship. Laura and Liam's character are twins, and Liam went to Talison in the bath for some reason to like have a man-to-man talk about. Okay, you're dating my sister now, and we had beef in the past, but now we're cool because I want you to be with my sister. And then he gets up and walks out. And then Laura's character pops up out of the bath uh, because she was uh, she had made up that they were bathing together, and it was so funny. It was such a good moment. Oh, it was. Oh man, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. So yes. that is my that is my favorite one. That's all I have to say on the matter. It was just it. It is every time Liam brings it up, you can just tell that Liam is just smiling and grimacing at the same time, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What about you? My favorite was the the reverse math moment 
I can't remember what happened, but uh, Travis rolled too many dice for damage or something. So he had to take some of it away and he gets flustered and he's like, oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, can't, I can't do reverse math. <laughs> and Sam yes. and Sam looks at Travis like equal parts shocked and disgusted. Like, are you serious? And he says... You mean subtraction? <laughs> just the just the look on Sam's face. That's one that I went back and watched on YouTube because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> he was like, you could see in Sam's soul like the deep, deep regret for ever having known Travis in that moment. Oh. <laughs> like, what did you just say? I completely uh, forgot was, about that. That is... Yeah. I'm writing these down, by the way, to, to go back and rewatch them. <sighs> yeah, that was a gem. Oh. And Brian had some very good stuff to say about the reverse math moment also in talks. <sighs> I mean, what? I mean, just what a... Those are the moments that Sam shined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he was just able to grasp something and just take it, take it all the way. Yeah. Um, and just in the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, but no. Yeah, just turn the dial up all the way yeah. up. Yeah. Sam was great at that. Yeah, I mean, that that is that is up there. That is one of the best. The favorite battle. I make a story that I also know, well, about 70% sure that I know which one is your favorite. What do you think, is, what do you think it is? I, I think that you really liked and were just, I think you were blown away by the fight at the end, by the fights at the end. But I think that you oh. are going down the path of Grog's father. His uncle? His, um, I thought it was his, I thought it was his, uh, father that he killed. The Kevdak? Yeah. The Kevdak fights? I'm pretty sure that was his uncle. And that is close. Oh yeah, because his father's already dead. Um, right. And you're right, both of those are were amazing. But, uh, honestly, my favorite uh my favorite fight was uh grog versus kern mm. that rematch of grog versus kern it was just so like gritty or actually you know what i really liked um grog when he went and fought that earthbreaker groon yeah in the in the temple and he fights him twice the first one he gets to have two party members to back him up but the second time, it's just man-on-man man mm -hmm. again. And that was a really cool fight. Because Grog had all of his stuff. He had all of his weapons and stuff. And he got to show a lot more creativity. Like, Travis got to show a lot more creativity in that one-on-one -on -one fight. And that was a, a really epic, cool uh, fight to hear. Again, Travis and Matt just go back and forth and beat each other up. Yeah. It... But yeah... Yeah, all of those, though, that we talked about were just fantastic. Man, there are some of these that I'm just already ready for you to be caught up with Campaign 2. Because I already want to mm. ask you these questions for Campaign 2. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited, yeah. but that fight was great. Travis does a really good job of going along with Matt when Matt is obviously, because with Earthbreaker mm -hmm. Groon, he is obviously still telling a narrative when Earthbreaker Groon is mm -hmm. like demanding. Um, I think he, he keeps saying like, where does your strength come from or, or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. a player could easily find themselves just like, you know, it's not easy or, or when the DM starts pressuring them, like they can just like, oh no, this is dumb. And they just get frustrated. Mm -hmm. And Travis just committed himself. Like he just, he just kept oh, going yeah. along with matt and he's like i don't know where this is going yeah. i am doing my best to figure it out and i am i am going to continue to try to figure it out um and and mm -hmm. and it's uh, yeah so like he just committed himself he's like all right like i will i will keep going and I, yeah. that was just a yeah. he he allowed it to be a really cool interaction mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's a lot of why i liked it too was because there was like the heavy combat scenes but also there was that narrative going through like what is Grog thinking and where does Grog think he gets his power from? And that whole thing and like Grog's so dumb, but he does have this this like code of honor that uh that he lives by in like what is Grog thinking during this during getting his butt kicked? And uh he pulls it out at the end and I loved his answer at the end. Uh, and it was just a, a really, really cool, satisfying scene. It was 
it was amazing and i that was that was one of the biggest parts of you know what i'm talking uh when i mentioned travis didn't have a big backstory mm-hmm. and um oh i want to touch base on that with scan lending as well but with um travis not having a big backstory i mean matt took it and he used it and travis being willing to go along with what matt had i mean that allowed i mean this awesome narrative as far as you know he gets his strength from his friends and mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. that was the story that he got to tell yeah and uh, he was willing with that the thing that i thought and we were talking about the depth of sam's character and the mm. uh, almost the funniest part i find about that is because there wasn't there was not depth to his character when he began um he mm-hmm. he was the one that there were one or two there were a couple of them that hadn't played before but sam yeah. really was the one that he like liam was his friend the the first game that they played was was for liam uh yeah. sam was just was yeah. just doing it to because he just was cool to do whatever um yeah. and he just made the dumbest character that he could and and that was what yeah. he did yeah the, the typical horny yeah. bard the no the the least useful race the and the typical horny mm-hmm. bard yeah and uh of course, I don't, you know, I think gnomes are awesome, but, you know, that was what somebody, that was what people told him. Right, yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, the depth that came out of that and, and this, I mean, if, I mean, Sam certainly did his job to make sure the stereotype of the horny bard stayed, if oh, not yeah. single-handedly yeah, just, like, yeah, perpetuated yeah. it or created it. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that's, that just speaks to his, his own personality, so. And Matt touched on this in, like, in some of the wrap-up talks that they had. Like you said, a gnome bard is like kind of laughed at as being this joke class that's not really useful they don't do a lot of good things but there were countless moments throughout the whole campaign where scanlan was the clutch character like there were so many times where they almost died everybody just everything could have fallen apart but then scanlan comes in and in like one turn flips everything around and saves the whole day and it was like there's just so many awesome moments have i already because this applies this uh, for me it is a sam moment but the best slash most impactful moment have we already gone over that uh we talked about mine uh uh, i don't know so mine if if i if i said something else before earlier uh, because i've already forgotten it forget that the most impactful moment for me was when Scanlan was frustrated that he had to use a ninth level counterspell oh, because yep. he had prepared it for the for the wish spell. Yeah, yep. and that is the one that I still like. I mean, what a moment of the. I mean, one single spell or one single choice mm-hmm. that had so much of an effect or like, you know, if he had done this or if it had worked out just a bit differently so where he didn't have to use the ninth level spell uh-huh things would have yeah. been completely different yeah so many things could have been different. um and just the yeah i i forgot about that but yeah that was a big one and maybe maybe this isn't maybe this isn't even necessarily the most impactful moment because it, it's it's the other way around where bec- it's it's memorable because it didn't mm-hmm. happen but right. the maybe the best player reaction for me actually is this uh, is this one because mm-hmm. every other player just stops when they realize nobody else had thought about yeah. it he Sam had just mm-hmm. was trying to manage this part of it himself because he was the only one that could. Uh-huh. He was the only person that yeah. had access to do something like this. Mm-hmm. And and he had made that that copy of himself. Yeah. So that he would have extra spell slots as a backup for this exact yeah. moment. He had prepared it. He had written it Where, out. He had like yeah. Um, uh-huh. I, if I remember right, I think he had written out what he was going to say because the wish because yes. the wish spell yeah. is so finicky. Yeah, well, he had a bun- He had a few different ideas. Oh, got it. Um, written down. Um, if I remember and right, and Matt's Matt's facial expression, like as it goes through this roller, because because Matt is going to teleport the enemy away, the big boss, mm-hmm. the god. Yeah. Um, he says, "I am going to counterspell that." And I think Matt says like you can't you're so you're super far away. He says I can because I or my duplicate is up on this hand, and that's why I'm up on this hand so I can do this counter spell. And that that yeah. was a, a moment in yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like yeah, oh yeah, I specifically moved up to this exact spot so I could yeah. do this. That's um, right. And and he's like, okay, what level are you doing it at? And and Sam is is like out of spells. And mm-hmm. Matt has this other face of like you don't he knows that he doesn't have anything and yeah. he says I'm doing it at the ninth level and Matt's face for that just was priceless. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, it succeeds. Yeah, it has and then to. Yeah. Matt is trying to. F- so there's like the the elation from the table, like, yes, we stopped him. Yes, we've got him right where yeah. we want him. And then Matt's trying to piece it together, is what is is what I gather from his face. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing this? Why did you just use your ninth level slot mm-hmm. to do this? And then um, it all comes. I mean, he used his ninth level slot slot because he had to and it all comes together really how much mm-hmm. and it's it's impactful because it's impactful because it sh- it immediately showed how much time sam had put into it the player and how much he had mm-hmm. thought about it because like it's like it's like uh, when you get a gift like you can get a gift that's just a gift card mm-hmm. to a store you know and that's cool but mm-hmm. you know the the yeah. the ones that are more impactful are the you know even if it doesn't cost any money it's when somebody spent time even if it's just a, just a kid like drawing a picture like sent some time to like what is your interest and they they spent yeah. time thinking about it and they put energy into thinking about you and as soon as sam said mm-hmm. this is was going to be for the wish bell all of a sudden all these layers started to come together of of everything he had done yeah um everything he had prepared yeah doesn't he get teary-eyed i want to say he like starts to like choke up and get like sad and like starts to cry like this was for this was this one was of the i mean Liam. this is one of the only times that he that he does get emotional and the the whole matt and every other player in the room can see suddenly the time and the energy that sam the player had committed to figuring this out for liam and for vax and i mean because of the character relationships at the table almost everybody else as well Mm -hmm. since uh since he had a since he had a twin and and he had a relationship with marisha's character or keila that was the that was the most impact yeah i also want to redact my funniest my best uh oh, you've already reaction. given me such a good one i know this one's not funny this is like this is the the best, best reaction, player okay. reaction yes which is not written down so it still there counts when scanlan dies and they they have to do the ritual to bring him back um i forget what fight he died in oh, it was one of the dragon fights it might have right? been I, I don't have a good memory on their I can't remember. They were great fights, the but they fought this big, ancient, huge, horrible dragon. Um, and Scanlan dies, and so the rules on in their game were they had to do a ritual where three people would uh, contribute something, and there was a, a dice roll check involved to see if it was successful or helpful or whatever. And uh, when Travis's character Grog finds Scanlan dead, Scanlan or Grog, Scanlan and Grog are like best buddies. So he, Grog picks Scanlan up, and Travis just starts yelling, "Fix oh. him! Fix him!" Because yeah, I do remember that. And like Travis is getting choked up, and everybody else is getting choked up because the big guy's getting choked up. And then they end the episode right there, and then they pick up the next episode for the the revival uh, ritual out of game. Travis Willingham is a diehard Dallas, <laughs> Texas fan, yeah. uh, football fan. And their rivals are the Washington, uh, used to be the Washington Redskins. Now they're the biggest <laughs> joke in the NFL. The Washington football team is, they're like rivals. And Sam, Sam became a, a Washington fan because just to mess with Travis. And uh, anyway, just some backstory for the ritual travis wrote a poem for scanlan with like rhymes and everything and he sang it sobbing through the tune of the washington redskins fight song and that was so amazing like the acting involved and again, like you said, the thought and the energy involved in like putting that much emotion into something for one of your friends was just so touching. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about this moment, but I was driving. I had a long commute to work that day, thank goodness, because I remember like actually getting teary-eyed when Travis was singing the his rival's fight song mm. for his buddy that that is such a huge deal and like I could never I don't think I would ever sing <laughs> a rival football team's fight song for anything um, but he did for his buddy and that was probably that's that was easily the most uh, the most touching character interaction for me that is and like you said for similar reasons as far as like the commitment to the other character yeah absolutely um so i think that is i mean i can like 
I agree. Like that is one of the biggest moments for the same reason that Sam's thing is, is one of the biggest moments. Uh, I think those are huge. Yeah, man, that was something else. Is there anything else about the campaign that, that you want to make sure you get a word in? Um, yeah. So I, like you, had a lot of judgments towards people who played D&D. And like we've talked about in this episode, people like Travis Willingham and Joe Manganiello really showed me that you can be really athletic and also play D&D and have neither of those things affect who you are as a person. And that was a really, that was a really cool thing to see people like Liam, who's very, very much the theater nerd through high school and college and uh, Travis, who is very much the football jock all through high school and football come together and be such good friends and share so much, uh, love and friendship with each other through this game that was that was really cool to see uh, throughout the whole campaign and uh it was just such a cool journey to to listen to and uh they're fantastic voice actors a lot of them have been in some of my favorite video games and tv shows movies like for years back that i didn't even realize and uh so that was cool to get to know the the voice actors behind some of my favorite things a little bit better through uh, through Critical Role. So yeah, I saw the same thing, and I was seeing a bunch of different people from hugely different. I mean, they were all voice actors, but um, mm-hmm. somebody looking in from the outside, very different people. You look at you look at Talison, yeah. and you look at Travis, and you look at L- Laura. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like just just way. I mean, just way different. Uh, but at the same time, you know, in in this aspect, oh, yeah. you know way that you know way similar mm-hmm. that's always just a cool reminder and and even now just i mean talison just continued talison just keeps getting better and better talison's just a cool guy uh <laughs> i love talison like the i just listened to one of the talks episodes of campaign two where it was just brian uh brian w foster and mm-hmm. talison jaffe and uh hands down my favorite talks talks mocking episode just those two going back and forth and getting weird <laughs> and dark and hilarious yeah. oh man i loved it i don't even feel this this needs mentioning but but i'll, I'll do it anyways in that you know you get on the reddit and you get on the twitter sometimes and you just see some negative stuff and there were you know there was some unacceptable stuff you know mm. with um like when the when the last of us two came out and the voice actors for that but it's a uh, mm-hmm. i also find it cool in that it's very hard to maintain uh it's like when it it's like when a kid all of a sudden becomes famous and rich that same kid almost always mm-hmm. becomes an alcoholic or or something it's it's so it's too much yeah. to handle you know mm-hmm. yeah um mm-hmm. yeah and the same thing when you got a company that went from they were doing the best that they could to just get you know, they had the counter uh, I don't know if I don't know how much of the videos of the beginning of campaign one that you watched, but there used to be a subscriber count at the bottom left of the screen, mm. and it was like, all right, guys, let's mm-hmm. get like 500 subscribers. Let's get let's get like a thousand <laughs> subscribers. And I think it was a little bit more because they were they yeah. were already running off of the Geek and Sundry platform, so they already had like a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But it very like it was it was multiplicative like they were looking for 5000 and then they were looking for 15 and then they were looking for 50 and then mm-hmm. the counter goes yeah. away <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah and now they're at a point where it's like where like it or hate it the mercer effect is yeah. real whether it's at your table or or like globally cl- critical role has affected dungeons and dragons massively yeah. uh, both in its widespread popularity and the uh, the content that gets released. I mean, Matt has published how many books now? Yeah, Matt's done at least w- in conjunction. Yeah, Matt's with... done at least two. So the first book by Matt, the first campaign book by Matt. I don't know if it was officially endorsed by. I don't think it was officially endorsed by uh, Wizards of the Coast, but it was equally as quality was just as good. And then his second one was and it's amazing and he does other i mean he does other great work his homebrew items are on D &D beyond and it's just it's just stupid to look at the (laughs) yeah yeah. the depth 
of everything that they do and not just Matt but like all of the all of the characters like in other in other D&D related things that's there's there's essences of critical role and influences of critical role like all over Dungeons and Dragons and it just goes to it speaks to what you were saying about like they started out as this as another group of friends playing D&D with each other and now they're they have a major say in in Dungeons and Dragons, like yeah. globally. And I think there there's another wave coming because the animated show. Yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> like what? Yeah, that was. <laughs> they've got they've got comic yeah. books. They've got an Amazon original animated series coming well, out. Well, not really. I what? mean, if there was anything that was going to speak truer as far as like the 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 support and the audience that Critical Ra- Critical Role had, it was that before Amazon even picked it up, their Kickstarter was the most successful Kickstarter. Um, I can't remember if it was just mm-hmm. in a, in its category or or period, but mm-hmm. but it way exceeded everybody's and then after mm-hmm. the Kickstarter, then Amazon comes in and picks them up and so they're gonna hand it they're gonna have an animated show and at least two seasons at least two seasons yeah Yeah. wow and i think the timing is gonna work out where around the time that that first season is gonna come out um if not during a little bit after Mm -hmm. campaign two will be wrapping up and a whole nother campaign will be starting because travis uh the ceo that's and one of the players he -hmm. has said in an announcement because you know things get old if any TV show were to yeah. run as long as, as Critical Role has, besides some of those, um, besides some like anime stuff that I know still run, but most TV shows die mm. out by this time. Oh yeah, yeah, burnout yeah. is real. And so, and they're they're aware of that. But but Travis has already said, you know, we mm-hmm. have this campaign, and and we have at least one more in us after this. Um, yeah, that's which is insane. So nuts. you think this is gonna this one's probably gonna be that's at least this one's probably gonna be at least another year? Uh, I just make a guess, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Um, and then they have a whole nother campaign, which is what going to be another th- two, three years. And the anime is going to be right. Uh, yeah. The first season of the anime is going to come out right before that. And so I think the timing mm-hmm. of it, there's going to be a whole just next wave of exposure. And but I the 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 thing that I was getting at was Critical Role. Um, they're not perfect, but they've done about the best that they could with keeping chill with how quick they got big. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah yeah. Well, there's always going to be some ego involved with fame of that scale. Even in, even this, this is we're not talking about Hollywood levels of fame, but within their sphere, they're beyond oh, Hollywood yeah. famous. Um, and so there's definitely going to be some ego there. But but I I agree that there's they uh, they've remained very uh, centered and grounded to themselves even amidst this meteoric rise to relative. Uh, stardom absolutely and i i won't give anything away about the game but out of the game it was a very when ashley so part way into season campaign two ashley is done with blind spot oh finally and she's she is back and she's in it and she's she's committed like mm-hmm. it's a it's a great it's just a great moment mm-hmm. in in game not related to any spoilers or anything but ashley's back and mm-hmm. she's here to stay um and what but a oh, couple weeks so later good. i don't i don't know what the t- uh, what the time was in between a couple weeks or a couple of months ashley mm-hmm. is the uh, president of their uh nonprofit that they now do oh wow i didn't know they had one. yeah they didn't it, it wasn't too long ago that they started it up but yeah basically they choose their it's not like they have one committed thing they do all the time like their nonprofit is like you can give to them and and with the confidence that they vet all the things that they look at and, they, and that they give to so they have a couple of partnered mm, people yeah, that yeah. they know that are, are good and, and will use their money well. And mm-hmm. they have a couple, you know, they'll focus on like one project a quarter or one project every couple of weeks. That's where their focus is. And so it could have gone, I mean, yeah. you see a lot of actors and just a couple that we I named a while ago and a lot more that, uh, well, okay. I mean, you can just think about pretty much any child actor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it can just go just horrifying. It, it can just be terrible. Oh yeah, very bad. Yeah. If there if there was ever going to be an example of something going getting too big too fast, it would be Critical Role. And oh, so yeah. so it's not that they it's not that they did they did anything like spectacular spectacularly good. Just the fact that they haven't just just gone off the deep end at the bad end of the spectrum <laughs> just uh, is a very good sign. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's just yeah. my comment and on that. That yeah yeah we've 
touched on it before, but that just I think that speaks greatly to their uh, all of their friendships, and they've mentioned before that their their friendship within themselves has always been more important than the show. It's always been more important than the game, and from before day one, they had all made a pact that uh, if this got in the way of their friendships, they were like it was just it was done. Yeah. And uh, and so that's that's been a really cool. Just knowing that has been really cool that they've had that uh, that intention going into it and seemingly throughout. Well, and like you said, like Matt Matt gets emotional whenever he whenever he talks about it. But you know when he's talking to mm-hmm. Felicia Day, and I mean so, so credit has to be given to Felicia Day as she was the oh big um, time Felicia. Um, so for, for anybody, she has a very active Twitch uh, channel. Um, just in that she she's on it a lot and she plays if uh if you ever want to catch that but felicia is just addicted to creating stuff mm-hmm. felicia has several books out Felicia's a fantastic actor and very popular and uh and she created geek and sundry and she was the one that approached matt about critical role and uh and so i mean the, there has to be she left mm-hmm. geek and sundry when her role no longer became about creation and it was just about managing a company and it was no longer right. it was no longer any fun mm-hmm. and so um she has to she has to take a lot of uh, a lot of credit for that um and her seeing what oh, was yeah. going on and what what matt and the group had started and seeing that something you know could be there uh, but matt gets very emotional when he you know when he says how like he was just so happy and so like it was such a fun group of people and it was such a fun group of friends that had come together that you know, things would change if the game wasn't happening. And he, he didn't want that to end. And I, not to the extent that I don't want to relate a lot of the things that I do to the extent that he's taken them, but I can definitely (laughs) relate to that to to some part where I'm just the connections that I have because of the D and D groups just wouldn't be the same if the D and D Mm -hmm. groups weren't, uh, weren't there. And so, you know, I'm very, you know, I I can feel the same way where if something were to change or, you know, something were to come up, like I just don't, I think we have these great connections. People are hanging out with each other. And I mean, surely it would fall apart. If the D and D game wasn't happening, mm-hmm. or people that I, you know, you have people that you just like connecting with, and D and D is just the, is just the reason that you get to connect. Yeah, it's the D and D is kind of the, the chicken nugget for the buffalo sauce. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> chicken nuggets are a delivery method for buffalo sauce. Okay, that's the only reason I eat chicken nuggets is so I can have buffalo sauce. I don't think I've ever had buffalo sauce. Uh, and I've worked wow. at McDonald's. First of all, wow. Oh wait, no. Uh, McDonald's. Um, uh, I put buffalo sauce on my McChickens. Yes, that's the only way McChickens are edible. Sorry, I know McDonald's is huge. I hate McDonald's. <clears throat> um, Mc- well, McDonald's serves a purpose. When once a month, when I want to feel like a crappy person, I go there. When you want to feel well, like sometimes, one. sometimes you just want to be like, oh, man, I just want to eat the, I just want to eat the worst food, and in about two and a half hours, I just want to feel like garbage. So. Yeah, well, that usually for me, that's the eating the garbage food is um, in response to already feeling like a garbage person. <clears throat> I guess that's just me. You know, for I just there are some days where I'm just like, today, today I'm ready. I'm ready to, I'm ready to <laughs> knock myself down a few pegs. Let's go to McDonald's. <clears throat> I think we'll, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, surely campaign one is going to be gone over more in the future. And certainly when we start getting into campaign two, it will be impossible not to bring up. There will be references. Yes, there will be, there will be references and it will be impossible not to bring up the first campaign. It was, yes, it's just so good. Can't not bring it up. Yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. So I feel like that was a pretty exhaustive uh, conversation. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Sunday afternoon is going to be a great, a great day getting to edit this i'm really excited 